millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-through. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for ninety nine cents until eleven a.m. and pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba da ba ba ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 105 of the No Encore Music Podcast. To my left, the handsome man himself, Craig oh, Fitzpatrick. Thank you. Complimenting my top as well before the show. This is great. You're rocking not, a designer top today. Yeah, Lacoste, which I've kind of ruined with Sprite Zero just before we came on mic. Sprite so Zero. I'm waiting for the, the stickiness. Anyway. Oh, what? And the other voice is not Cole cool Morrigan. It is, in fact, our great old friend, Selena Murphy. That's me. Welcome I, back to the show. Thank Yay! you. I will question the existence of Colmar Regan again. <laughs> He's not happy, and here's why. Because, so, when I contacted Selena to come back to the show, you were kind of saying, actually, I'm not really doing the music journalism thing anymore. But my attitude is, once a music journalist, always a music journalist. Sure. True that. These days, you're on the wedding beat. Yes. What's that about? I am deputy editor of a website called One Fab Day, and anyone listening who is engaged will already know it. It is great crack, actually. Um, music somewhat involved in weddings you'd hope yeah. so like <laughs> weddings are this strange thing they're kind of an amalgam of every element of life like fashion beauty music everything um, yeah it's great fun uh, my music journalism these days is basically making Spotify playlists for first dances and such the like what's That's the most uh, frequently used song in those playlists not Ed Sheeran I hope it's usually Billy Joel or is this a request bit of, bit of Stevie Wonder does this come from them or are you like I'm, I'm gonna curate this like we 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 proactively do this for the readers I think it's handy to have it all in one place yeah. and then you can look at the playlist and you can go nope 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 yes Yes, yes, yes. Billy Joel, Stevie, I think that works at yeah. a wedding. It's Al Green kind of, is always a good one. Yeah, yeah any good Motown, show, good show. any stacks would be great. Who's bad? 
Oh, so many songs that you think would be great and then you listen to the lyrics. The like Police, like, you know, Every Breath You Take. Yeah, like Call Me Al. And it's <laughs> oh like his wife has left him and it's, it's just, I mean, you're probably not listening to the lyrics if you're on a dance floor at a wedding. Sure. But there's always that fear. I think that's, the, actually, we need to do that less. We need to just go with the song and not worry that it's slightly creepy. Well, again, it is this kind of weird serendipity that you had mentioned Cullum and not having met him because he mentioned the same thing because as it turns out, this is your third appearance on the Encore. Mm. And I think every time you were subbing for Cullum, just the way that the ball bounced. But Cullum is getting married uh, twice. He's already been on my site then. He's got I two, know. Engage, two weddings coming Two up. weddings he's, in he's two He's getting married countries. in Norway and getting married in Ireland. That sounds So delightful. he was like, actually, this is the one week where I'm quite irked that I'm not going to get to be there when Cena's T- there. Tell him, slide into the DMs. Ask me all of the questions. Ask me about venues. It's two weddings. Corkage, not all of it. Kind of overkill, though. I mean, they're not even that hap- really in love. It happens. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I jest. They're a great couple. They don't really care about each other. Uh, it does happen. Oh, really? It's a Just handy be- way of, like, if one, yeah, like in their case, he, she's Norwegian, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a handy way. Half of, Norwegian, half Swedish, I believe. Of doing. Uh, oh, like legal. Two birds, one stone. Hmm. Yeah, true. Also, the legalities are like fast and boring yeah <laughs> so i'm sure there's a legal reason as well well you mentioned being on a dance floor and not really caring about what's going on because i have to presume that at that point the person in question would be three sheets to the wind which i currently am thanks to You're today's holding it together radio yeah, I, I don't radio. think i am i'm, I'm, you ca- haven't told us I'm catching myself thinking about it so <laughs> and i worry because like i feel like two two podcasts ago i was like oh man i'm so hung over today and now i've come to the podcast Pe- a little bit people drunk. getting concerned like people might think i've got a problem but no. i don't think it's a capital p problem you have a fun personality day <laughs> so what happened was today i did a panel they let me speak to students somehow in bim you know the uh brighton industry for modern music but the dublin branch of that and uh, Kieran McGuinness, friend of the show, Del yep. Rento's man, album out April 27th, I believe, uh, which came up a lot today. He uh, had a panel about broadcasting and radio and such and such. And it was myself, Kate Brennan Harding, Sinead Troy from Yangaroo Music, John Barker, uh, oh. previous host of this show. Yeah, did a fantastic and, uh, job. Yeah, we talked to some students and we had a good time and it was a lot of fun. And then afterwards, John was like, pint. And to we, the entire student body. <laughs> Come on, kids. We had a few points around the corner in Fallon's and then. Uh, I literally had to leave here because he was like one for the road at like ten past six, and I was like, "No, I have to go. I have to get to the podcast." Very now. professional. Got here appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. However, uh, while I was on the thing, and I again, I worry that this is also becoming a bit too much of a thing. I did, in fact, throw hot press under the bus quite a lot. <laughs> Our former stomping ground. Wow. Well, there'll be none of that here, given that the three of us previously <laughs> no, worked for them. At not length. at all. Yeah, I said lots of things about hot press, and apparently, I only learned after the fact that the whole thing was recorded, and we'll uh, be going out. Much like we're being recorded <laughs> yeah, right I mean, now. I feel like this is public you know? knowledge. You're, you're dissing of hot press. Yeah. I, I guess all I will say is I very much enjoyed the opportunity to feel. Uh, quite out of my depth in a weird you know position where like I was sitting on the stage and they had like this kind of microphone angled in such a way that it was like a total singer songwriter setup oh okay but I think I won the crowd over early by noting that I'm a drummer and my drum kit was ah, I see. Uh, and, uh, and my drum kit was my drum yeah. kit was stolen recently so I don't feel good about oh, that and I got I got a nice awe from the crowd and then afterwards you know I just kind of did my own thing tried to hold my own amongst people who were actually successful so oh come on Dave were you there <laughs> specifically to help the students kind of understand how to get coverage in the media that kind of thing that was one of the aspects yes yeah very much so helpful and yeah it was good it, like it was genuinely like different I mean it was it was not what I was expecting the stage lights were very very bright but uh, it was it, 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 those lights are so fame. bright yeah 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 it was fun it was and fun. now you're back here with us so uh, thanks Reflecting. very much and if anyone's checking out the podcast as a result because I did my best to plug it uh, thanks for listening welcome to the show excellent 
And as for the show, we will press on into the news, guys. So uh, I guess we should say at the start of them, this is going to be a slightly unusual episode in that we haven't got an album to review this week because, quite frankly, there was nothing really good enough to do, was there? Well, it's quiet out there. It's quiet you know, Everyone there. is on their Easter holidays early, I guess, or something. But yeah. Two bank holidays this month. Yeah, that's that's true. True. I worked bank holiday Monday. I was the only person working on Monday. It was insane. Holding down an entire website and its social channels for fucking. You've also hours. done Why Christmas Day. Which yeah, is, I have. Yeah. And I, a whole baptism of fire situation. Also, by the way, uh, while I was working at the weekend, I did throw on the editor's album from two weeks ago as kind of like a would this work? And like four songs in, I was like, I'm not reviewing this album. <laughs> like, it's you just, just couldn't cope. Couldn't handle it, man. Mm, no, okay. I couldn't do yeah, it. That's fair. That's and fair. we've been fairly receptive, but overall, no. So we decided not to review like Yola Tango or whoever. And instead, on this episode, we are going to bring back the glorious No Encore Listening Guide. And we'll have a very interesting aspect and act to talk about in that. Sure, yeah, well, tease it out. Let's jump into the music and let's jump into 2005 because the news broke on Bank Holiday Monday while I was in the office, while I was working, that Block Party are going to play their debut album, 2005's Silent Alarm, in full at a string of exclusive European shows in October, six in total, one of which is in Dublin, in the Three Arena. I don't quite yep. get it. I feel like some of that tree arena might be closed off for the show. Tarped off. Yeah, I don't know. It's easy to know in the tree arena. You can easily turn it. You can make it look good, actually, yeah, yeah. when it's not in You can take a good 5,000 people out of it. Now, even if this was the original block party lineup, which it is not, I'd still be like, really? Because like, there's, there's this weird thing where like my brain saw the words Olympia Theatre three times like as I was writing the story and I had to go back and just triple check it and I was like oh no 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 it's not the Olympia it's 3 Arena because it would make sense Olympia would be perfect for this it'd be, or mm-hmm. even Vicar Street would be fantastic 8,000 people are um, they kind of banking on the fact that they are doing 2005's Silent Alarm so that is the one that everyone loved but and also like, finally we won't get the weird with, electro stuff it's still with that weird lineup where they have like uh, Justin Harris from Menomina and uh, Louise Bartle, a drummer that the two lads who are remaining in the band found on YouTube. The last album they put out was Hymns in 2016, and I tore it to shreds and Drowning Sound. It's a horrific album. Block Party are very much one of those great diminishing returns bands, but, like, I mean, at this stage, this genuinely feels like desperation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the scale of the tour is baffling, kind of, but, I mean, a lot of the, that generation of bands have kind of had baffling comebacks and ones that didn't have the kind of critical early clout of, you know, a block party. I mean, we're kind of pretty close to getting the whole, Corti- well, Cortinas are still going, but that whole kind of class of 2005, 2006 that were very landfill indie seem to be making, com- picnic, making kind of big nostalgia. I guess people are just hitting their like late 20s, 30s and getting nostalgic for the teen years. Is that what's fueling it? I don't know. Maybe because I saw this and thought that could be a bit of crack. I mean, literally, that's as much as I thought. Yeah. But... Mm, I mean, I w- wasn't gonna oh, like get gonna, straight on Ticketmaster to buy a yeah, ticket. I'll but probably go, but like you know, <laughs> I'll go in the. It's a great go. I'll slag it off to death. No, no, no definitely but, but, but go. I'll, I'll go. I'll go with my like you know uh, schmoozy guest list type situation as opposed to with like, your critic hat on fifty five or sixty euros um, or whatever it's going to be. But I mean, okay, so I guess this is a good point as any to ask the question because I feel like we've ever we've hinted and flirted at it on this show. Block party, overall good or bad, or not even good or bad, but like like. Are they a good band? Where are they a good band? Were they actually just hype or were they great? And is it that thing where you kind of start questioning the early work because of the, yeah, cr- the enemy called them the saviors in. of modern Britain at one point. Of modern like, Britain? The like the actual. They say a lot of things. And <laughs> so now they <laughs> say nothing at all. <laughs> Um, yes, that first album's great. Second album has a lot of good stuff on it. Yeah. And I kind of always respected that they tried to do stuff and like fell flat on their face sometimes. But 
they're always adventurous. They didn't want to just rest in their laurels, like do a kind of, you know, anniversary tour or whatever, 13-year anniversary tour of Silent Alarm, um, which they're now doing. But yeah, I kind of respected, I don't know, the effort they put in. I think I enjoyed three, the first three albums. I think the fourth one I haven't listened to. Yeah, that's probably fair, uh, the first three. But I interviewed Kelly before and he seemed like a top-notch guy, which is possibly clouding my judgment. But he also seemed like someone who wouldn't just like shite out an album like he was very thoughtful about yeah. everything he did and yeah maybe you know have a big respect for them one man who does often shite out an album is mr this worldwide himself pitbull um he, he's like properly mr worldwide now because he's going to the united nations or not as the case may be we got a kind of very late update on this story um but yeah actually there's this other side to pitbull where he's a bit of a humanitarian and this is actually for quite a good cause like yeah he was due to speak at the united nations at time of recording about the global water crisis he's heading up some kind of new initiative yeah which also has the likes of pink and uh marine five bruno mars and others trying to, like, just clean up the world, essentially. But you're telling me now, Craig, that there's some breaking news that he couldn't make his appointment in front of the UN. Yeah, there's been more snowfall in New York. Apparently, it's, like, the first time they've had this nor'easter. Is that how you pronounce it? I've never heard this term before I saw the story. But it's, like, a kind of strange cyclone of cold weather at a strange time, basically. But he's apologised for not being able to do it. And he said, Women raised me and made me a man. I've learned not to question them, especially Mother Nature. (laughs) Oh! Very strange well, how I did uh, approach that. Mr. Wokewise. <laughs> uh, am I the only one who doesn't get the name of the campaign? Clean water here cause flash. Yeah, I had the same problem. What's I, happening? I, I don't know like, what caused flash. Like, is this like a misprint or something? Possibly. But I can't jumble it up to make it make sense. I was extremely annoyed by this just because I don't <laughs> like Pitbull and I was forced to review a couple of his albums back in yeah. the day and I feel somewhat resentful about that. Uh, so I did some Googling about his philanthropy, but it's hard to tell with philanthropy because is he one of these people who's like, oh, I don't want the credit, I don't want the credit. So it's hard to trace down what he's actually done in the past sure. to like deserve to be you know, promoted by the UN. But then if he's the kind of guy who's doing a campaign like this, he's probably not the kind of guy to hide his philanthropy. Yeah, like he hasn't got it wrong on a spectacular level like Akon buying a conflict diamond mine or anything, has he? Never forget. (laughs) (laughs) My anger is definitely unjustified in this. If he wants to clean up the world, that's fine. I also... very vague. This is a very vague story. What what water are you talking about? Are you it talking is. about Flint, Michigan? Are you talking about an African country? <laughs> Global water What's crisis and drinking right like are Bruno Mars, Pink, and Maroon Five going to start like digging like canals and like water trenches for? I don't know. Is there, how hands on are they getting? I must confess that maybe I've just been lucky, but I've I've managed to avoid pretty much the entirety of Pitbull's music career. Yeah, I'll, I mean, say, I'll send you a link. Really? Music yeah. career is a bit of a... It's amazing how when you li- try and actually... Bangers, if you try and right? focus yeah, on very... one of his songs, the, the lack of musical elements actually within it, it's a lot of kind of shouting and just... I know that sounds a very <laughs> granddaddish of me. It's a lot of shouting at Pitbull. But it's just like there's not... There's nothing actually at the center of any of his songs. It's just lots of kind of like flash lines he's about him being... He's a drunk uncle on a dance floor. Yes, he, he is. is. Yeah. And he's usually always in tandem with like a, a J-Lo or a Mariah Carey or whoever, right? Yeah, who I'm always a bit disappointed in. J-Lo. Um, no, no, anyone who 
work collaborate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always a bit like, you know, you see it come up on YouTube or whatever, and you're like, oh, Jay, oh. Yeah. <laughs> FT Pitbull. I, I can't yeah. possibly. I've been burned in the past by Pitbull. Some people love him, though. Like, they really like think that this guy's the thing. Yeah. All Freddie his Mercury songs of modern have age. the same theme, which is that, like, I've got a girl in every port, which, like, was a thing in the 50s. <laughs> and I don't know if we need B- to big go in the back 50s, to there. Yeah. yeah, and actually, there's I think there's a video on YouTube where it just isolates his vocals, which are always kind of funny. But even with him, it's not just, like, out of tune stuff. It's just him kind of grunting occasionally and saying, yeah, Mr. Worldwide, yeah. Like, that's <laughs> it. That's all he does on stage. Okay, okay, well, someone who was around in the 50s is Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> she was, yes. Sure was she was alive as you or I <laughs> whose 90 second birthday is coming up and she's throwing a throwing a bash and for her 90 second birthday she will receive Sting and Shaggy I love the way I that's phrased I take issue with that <laughs> sentence it's such a bad sentence right Jesus Christ you could have read it a different way Dave, uh, but, but I've, you, you know I, I, what can I say Sting and Shaggy sound like some kind of kids TV characters don't they like Zig and Zag or something it's just like it's the Sting yeah, and Shaggy Sting so yeah yeah it's very scooby yeah. do. it's adorable <laughs> so they have an album coming out as we know and uh, a day after they release it they will be among the performers slated for her birthday concert at the Royal Albert Hall 21st of April other stars from around the Commonwealth on the bill include Kylie Minogue Craig David Sir Tom Jones and of course Lady Smith Black Mombazo be broadcasting BBC TV and radio and yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like if I was 92, I'd want a better fucking bill. Kylie, fair enough. Sting and Shaggy? Really? Yeah. Tom I, Jones? I don't kind of think these concerts are tailored to her specifically. It seems to be like whoever they can get and, you know, have a cross section of artists um, that are popular. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can't process the fact that Sting and Shaggy are doing an album. Entire album. So good. I've I heard, listened to I've the single this morning or whatever it is, and <laughs> it was just. Not even necessarily it was like terrible or offensive or anything. I just I just can't like they can't coexist in the same music video. <laughs> they sent, can't possibly. I was sent a six uh, track album sampler about oh, a month really? ago and I gave it like one listen while does it work and I can't quite remember but like Sting is going for it. Like he is going for it lyrically. Wow. He's like kind of like he's getting well into it. Like he's getting into character and he's like kind of referring to like, you know, hip hop and reggae and like, you know, coming from this great Caribbean sound. And I'm like, you're the whitest guy in the room. Sting. Yeah. Well, they thought, you know, the police always had those influences. God, reggae. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I, I'm going to stop, stop defending him. But actually, I thought like when I heard some of those songs, it's the most enthused Sting has sounded in years. Like Shaggy really seems like Sting's new muse or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not opposed to either of them making an album or making a thousand albums, but together there's something fundamentally disturbing yes. to me about that. Yeah, yeah a, there's a there's a sleaziness. There, it's like isn't there? a, there's a, an ooze. a TV show crossover, and it just feels a bit wrong. You're like, why is this person in this living room? Shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Elsewhere, Craig's boy has had a good week himself, hasn't he? Ringo Starr. Oh, he has finally been knighted for services to being the funniest person in the Beatles, I guess. Uh, he received the honour from Prince William, Duke of Cambridge, at Buckingham Palace. Uh, speaking with the BBC, Ringo said, It means a lot, actually. He continued. <laughs> it means recognition for the things we've done. I was really pleased to accept this. That genuinely sounds <laughs> like that thing where it's like, you know, will uh, robots write articles in the future? Yeah. It's yeah. unenthused robotic response it's of very all time. odd. Um, I'm Jesus. always a bit disappointed when like rock stars accept knighthoods because it's a bit like, <laughs> come on, mate, don't 
joined the system. He's the voice what? of Thomas the Tank Engine. Bowie right? turned it down. He was, he was he was in the system long ago. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, he didn't even like he didn't even throw out like a fucking peace and love. You know, like I mean, yeah, he didn't, didn't seem to care. Maybe they just thought everyone will assume he ends with that, so we won't include it. Sir Ringo Starr. So it's been like it's a, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, it's weird how some people are kind of overlooked with it, and then of course there's a long, long, long list of yeah, list. awful, awful people that have got. So yeah, I don't. A long list of people who've turned it down as well. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I think John Lennon turned it down. I don't know. I, think I mean, to me personally, it's meaningless. But what has meaning is the royal wedding, which is happening three weeks after this concert. So oh, yeah. Personally, I think the Queen's Thunder is going to be way stolen for this gig. <laughs> so there have been rumours, by the way, that Ed Sheeran was going to play at that wedding on like the same day that he's playing in Dublin. He's playing in Dublin the like, night before. No, Mel B has said that her and the Spice Girls are reforming to play the Royal Wedding. <laughs> have you not heard this? No. Yeah. Wow. She it, like blurted it out on a TV, like a, on live American television. I, I will say this. Just so excited, yeah. As someone who, like, you I know, mean, it's exciting. I like, I to be very, you know, like professionally, you cover weddings, so of course, this mm. is obviously a big deal. I tend to just not really pay attention to these things, and not out of any kind of snobbery. I just don't really pay attention to it. But I will say, I did see a clip this week of uh, Harry and Meghan in a church where Liam Payne was performing, and like, I don't mm. know why, I don't know what was happening, I don't know whose confirmation it was or what it was, but at the end of it, the camera like cuts to the back row. As Liam Payne finishes his really bad turn and like Harry like throws her this look of like, oh my God, that was fucking terrible, right? And they start giggling. So I was like, you know what? They're super cute. They seem cool. no denying it. They're cool. Yeah. Um, Imagine being royalty and having to go to so many dreadful events. Yeah. And and like looking at things and like, here's our plant where we make chewing gum like over and over and over again for a hundred years. I guess for me, Sting and Shaggy is an upgrade uh, over Liam Payne. Sure. I was just... Okay, so um, I've said before on this program that I used to not pay for Spotify and then the ads became so annoying that I threw down that tenner a month. Uh, YouTube is basically going to follow suit now. They plan to increase the number of ads seen by people who use the service to listen to a lot of music in order to encourage them to buy paid subscriptions. And the way that they've uh, phrased this is they intend to frustrate and seduce people who treat YouTube like a music service passively listening for long periods of time. So there yeah, you go. they followed up with you're not going to be happy after you're jamming to, uh, Stairway to Heaven and you get an ad right after that, which is true. Yeah, when I'm jamming out to Stairway How to Heaven. How do you do, heaven. fellow kids? <laughs> yeah. Very nasty tone to that sentence. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll it show you guys. It is a bit. Um, but this is clearly them. Like they, They've said that it's an effort to be good partners with the music industry. And uh, yeah, yeah, make money, basically. Well, yes, but also... Off. I don't know. I I do feel like a lot of... Like, when you've got entire full albums up on YouTube, it seems a bit much, right? There's that weird weird workaround where I've kind of found it every now and then, even with the show, where I'm, like, looking for a song on YouTube, and it's like, people can put up a song and they can pitch shift it, and therefore it doesn't actually... Yeah, like, it doesn't actually, like, you know, break any laws. There was a weird situation where, like, Hannah Hunt by Vampire Weekend, which is an amazing song, the only iteration of it on YouTube for, like, three months after that album was kind of circling around. I think, you know, we had review copies of it or whatever. Maybe my link expired, and I was like, I want to hear that song again. And on YouTube, it was this horrible, like, high-pitched chipmunk vocal. And in the comments... People were like, amazing song. And I was like, no, th- this is like, this is terrible. Like, this is not the song. They've destroyed everything. They've, just, they've destroyed the entire thing. They did have a lot of chipmunk vocals on that album, though, in fairness. Not on that particular oh, yeah, one. Hey. Yeah, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they could have, it could have been a So, are you going to pay for YouTube, guys? That's the question. No. no. I, I don't pay for Spotify on principle. 
Oh, because of I'm anti Spotify. Really? Do so you do you use Apple yeah. Music or like what's no, your? I buy like two albums a year. No, maybe like five to ten. CDs, wow. vinyl, cassette. What's your? Uh, all three. Not cassette. All right. CDs for the car. Uh, like iTunes, whatever on my phone for walking around. Yeah. And vinyl as well. Wow, what a way to live. Yeah. It sounds like it's not all that figured I'm, out. No, I'm <laughs> no, not saying that I'm not, and this is why this is relevant, uh, that I'm not like going to my boyfriend in the evening, oh, did you hear this song? And throwing on YouTube and turning it up. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I am using YouTube to listen to things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's handy enough. And I wrote an article last week where I was saying like how people who give out about festival lineups and, you know, would rather crow about not knowing who the artists are than, in fact, hopping onto a platform like Spotify or Apple Music and paying the price of two pints a month. But I was like, hey, if you don't even want to do that, just head up YouTube. But now, obviously, YouTube saw what I wrote and they're like, hey, listen, he's They want some of those clearly, Spotify millions. They want some of those Dave dollars. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's frustrating because there are instances where there are only some songs on YouTube that actually don't make it to the other platforms and don't even make it to physical releases as well, where it's like, for whatever reason, this popped up on YouTube two years ago and they've never like put anywhere else. So yeah. I, I don't want some fucking, you know, wacky guy popping up two minutes into my Dillinger escape plan, happiness is a smile song. It would you know? kill the vibe, yeah, very much would. I mean, I think they're already doing a version of this on playlists and stuff, aren't they? I think so. And of course, you do have, if you don't use ad blocker, you will be subjected to a lot of ads as it is. Yeah. Um, you know, like a 30 second breakup. Which they're going to turn this into a big whole annoying thing. Like that's basically what they've said in this statement. Yeah. So yeah. Don't you mean frustrate and seduce? Yeah. Which is yeah. <laughs> strange. They're turn this into a big old frustrating and seducing thing. Metallica album. Yeah, it's strange. So yeah, social media, I guess, is on the agenda this week. Did any of you watch the Channel 4 Cambridge Analytica documentary about the Facebook whistleblower? No, I haven't seen it no, yet. No, but I read the Guardian piece. It's quite the piece. Yeah. yeah. I love how the guy involved... It's head-spinningly crazy. It really is. But I love how like, the poster boy for this looks like a Vice article. He does. He looks like he's dropping a mixtape. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. He's got like fucking like uh, red, like like blood red dyed hair. He's wearing like a camouflage jacket. He's got piercings, all this kind of stuff. You know, it, it he genuinely... was ready for that photo shoot. Like he was not sleeping on the photo shoot. Unbelievable. <laughs> the, the photo shoot is so well done. It's too well done. It's for, gorgeous. Could be an album cover for a whistleblower. Maybe this, this that's what he's after. So if he wants to drop know, that mixtape, if anyone doesn't know, what we're talking about basically. Long story short, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's plans to not sell your data didn't go according to his plans because he did sell your data. Oh, he claims it was you know some professor in Cambridge is the guy who like fucking started this whole problem and long story short uh, Channel 4 New York Times did a joint expose in which they kind of called out this data data consulting firm and how they harvested lots of people's information to rig elections and influence elections across the world particularly obviously the Trump one so uh, there is a kind of fun no encore friendly side product to this though thank god in that uh, science has decided that if you're a fan of the Smiths you're probably neurotic if you're a Bjork or a Tom Waits fan, you're more likely to be open to new experiences. And if you're a Marilyn Manson fan, you're probably not very agreeable. <laughs> now, yeah. as the man that did the Marilyn Manson listening guide not too long ago, yeah. go, what you make of that? Well, okay, th- it's interesting because all this is based on what people have, you know, quote-unquote liked on Facebook and so on over the course of a few years. And I did say off mic, I was like, just double-checking that Selena was a big Bjork fan because I thought you were. So you're a Bjork fan. Yeah. I would say that you're open to new things. Yes, I mean, I'm on this podcast. There you go. <laughs> Craig, you're a Smiths fan? Yes, I'm probably stage, neurotic. <laughs> yeah, it's been it well be, established. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a Marilyn Manson fan, and not very agreeable. 
I mean, I'm also a Bjork and Tom Waits fan, so is that what? What does that mean? I'm like, you must be no. You I'm must only be one thing. You must be Facebook <laughs> yeah. wants you in a box, and you must stay there. Yeah. Uh, I did like the fact that no musicians appeared on the least neurotic list, which is kind of telling Just about sports center yeah. and other sports. <laughs> yeah, related, they're all so uh, stable. Sites. Yeah, this is about a 2015 study that used a Facebook app called My Personality, a hundred question quiz developed by the Psychometric Center that assessed a person's openness, consciousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And 70,000 people uh, did the quiz. As a result, the guy who ran it was able to like, just rinse all this data and essentially build character profiles. So, yeah, I guess the happy side of this is that, you know, like people who are into music are now being like put into this weird kind of grouping. I did like how the least open people liked Luke Bryan, who I believe Cullum is a big fan of Luke Bryan. And I guess now it's finally, we can now finally nail that to the mass, his uh, his emotional rigidity. He's a clothes shop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inscrutable. Uh, least agreeable people also liked Ramstein and Placebo, which I do like. Judas Priest, which I don't like. I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, most extroverted Gucci Mane, which is, yeah, I think that's dead on, right? You're just blaring the Gooch. If you're going to get a fucking ice cream tattoo on <laughs> your face, like, that is fairly, you know, outgoing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know. I, I, do you guys put any stock in these kind of things? No, not at all. Because, like... A new study what, has found? Yeah, yeah, I mean, what does the app actually kind of... How can you mine this data and apply it so specifically to the real-life personalities of people. It doesn't... No, I, I don't. Over 50 I think million Facebook users can't be wrong. Yeah, right? It probably refers I'm more skeptical. to your Facebook consumption habits than anything else. I'd oh, like yeah. to think whether, you know, you're going to be rude to a waiter or not. Which is kind of what they're implying here, is that, like, Dave would be... I would be, like... <laughs> I don't know, off staring into a chandelier somewhere and... And I'd be just kind of not paying going, attention I'm to the actually, waiter and like I, being I'm like, just, oh. I'm not sure if I really want to eat beef at the minute because of the ethical... <laughs> That's the me. That's me entirely. I'm not eating beef at the as moment because that, of ethical... <laughs> as someone who worked in retail for 10 years, I have Nailed to say, you. I'm very much into the waiter rule. I think if someone's rude to a waiter, if you're on a first date, end It that. says a lot about... End that date. Yeah, so, I know, you know, if yeah, someone I clicks their so. fingers at bar staff, no. Oh God, that's the worst, yeah. It's bad. I don't feel like this study is at all applicable to the waiter rule so okay. I'm throwing it in the bin so the waiter rule trumps this yes alright that good. decides whether you're a good per- person or not yeah and case I, closed I, I like to think that anyone who listens to the show is very nice in a restaurant situation oh I'd say so yeah no matter how bad the service is <laughs> speaking of bad service we're going to move into our listening guide Craig Fitzpatrick deal us in <laughs> Yeah, so this is very much uh, my area of expertise, I would say. It's the Strokes, who I'm occasionally mocked about when I'm defending Julian Casablanca's more recent It's stuff, a good follow-up to last week's story. Did you read that Julian Casablanca's interview? I did. What did you think? It was so very interesting. Times I was like, yeah, right on, Julian. And times yeah. I was like, okay, you need to just dial it down like a thousand. Yeah, there were there were moments where I thought he had a good point, and then... My overall feeling, which is really bad, I shouldn't admit this, was like, you, uh, you have a lot, I don't have a lot going on in your life. Like, he just seems like he's obsessing over things. And like, do you not have dishes to be doing or like floors <laughs> to be hoovering or like I posts to be posting? Like- you know, he seems to have been given the mental freedom to obsess about this stuff, whereas the rest of us probably don't have that time in our hands. And I think he's been grappling with that kind of stuff in his own career, just from, you know, feeling a bit... I mean, the stroke story hasn't exactly been completely smooth sailing, and he's had, you know, there's been bickering amongst the band in terms of what direction they should go in. 
with the Void stuff, he's clearly just kind of getting a bit more experimental. He f- feels really free at the moment, and this is his kind of... But then you go back to a song like Eleventh Dimension, which is an incredible pop banger. Yeah. And I guess, you know, lyrically I was like, oh, I didn't notice that line before. I guess it's about some That's kind of... That's my overall theme with the Strokes, is like, miss the point of that song, miss <laughs> the point of that song, until like, I had to sit down and listen to it for the purposes of this Well, podcast. here we go. Like, no better way to go into our, our top 10 songs by the Strokes. That is the form that our listening guide has taken up. And Craig Patrick will lead us in with the first... The number 10, rather. Yeah, I think fittingly for us, um, we're starting with a 2004 B-side. <laughs> <laughs> this is Modern Girls and Old Fashioned Men. Now, this is a bit of a kind of departure, certainly for the Strokes at the time, and a bit of a one-off in that um, it's Julian duetting with Regina Spector. It's got a real old-timey kind of croonerish vibe to me, but just over that, you know, very Strokes backing of the time. And I just thought that was an interesting blend, and it's a class song. What do you think, guys? I really like it. I really like the energy of it. And I was talking to someone about this last night and they were kind of like, oh, I don't think it's representative of the Strokes at all. And I was like, well, that's kind of the beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah. But again, it does feel like he's off the leash. And I think that they interplay incredibly well. I wouldn't be the biggest Regina Spectre fan in the world. I do find her a bit much sometimes. But I very much liked how they almost were passing a baton to each other as the song kept going. And I almost felt like there was a bit of teeth in it as well. But they're obviously, you know, they'll go for a pint afterwards. Sure, yeah. I I like those kind of intertwining melodies. I mean, you have two kind of great vocals happening simultaneously, but then kind of sparring with each other. Um, Lyrically, it's it's interesting as well. Um, And yeah, it is. But it is very much representative of in terms of the music the stroke sound of the time that kind of twin guitar attack um, it is completely New York but just with this interesting vocal thing going on this one's an anomaly for me because I I, like if it was up to me this would have stayed as the B-side that nobody listened to like I'm not it wasn't one of my picks like don't love it love Regina Um, not sure why I'm not feeling it just didn't connect with this one at all at any point even though I did revisit and listen to it this weekend for the purposes of this podcast couldn't grab onto anything well we should say that like we ended up the way that we did this was we kind of threw our own top fives against the wall and saw what stuck and it led us to this weird position where like we had no number 10 and then there was a couple that we went back and forth on and then Craig was like I think it'd be cool to go with the B-side and be esoteric <laughs> yeah, so, I, well that explains well how it ended I, up in there I thought it would be nice to kind of you know if a lot of these songs are of yeah. course because of the stroke, Strokes fame yeah. um, well known so it's I a thought, very hit centric yeah, list otherwise pe- people so. kind of yeah check I will say it could be a bit I, marmite but I yeah. will say and I, and I want to give a shout out to the great music journalist Tara Joshi who this week got in touch with me because on Twitter I was like give me your top five Strokes songs and a lot of people got involved and she like messaged me and she was like that's just way too hard but she brought up a song which I actually never really kind of properly listened to before and it's off Come Down Machine and the song is uh, Call It Fake Call It Karma it's the closing yes. track yeah it's interesting and that has that crooner thing going on and it has another female vocal in there as well in this kind of old style almost like you know he's got a gramophone in the background or something yeah. and it's a fucking magical song yeah. I loved that one and it's it's kind of doing like a Hawaiian Elvis 
yeah, moment. Yeah, 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 yeah like totally, a yeah. finger, yeah. Uh, but I think probably the reason why people didn't latch onto it was because it was so out of character it for really the, is, them. Yeah. And they, like, the strokes don't do out of character. They don't take a crazy... They have, yeah, they have like bursts yeah, on kind of albums here and there. And yeah, I think for the exact reason you're saying, people just kind of breeze right past it, even though it's kind of interesting detours. I don't know. Well, speaking of interesting detours, number nine, the closing track of Angles. This is Life is Simple in the Moonlight. As I few things about this song uh, I was very taken by it when I first heard it and I still am now it's a strange situation it almost reminds me in a strange way and please stay with me on this of Nine Inch Nails's Hurt because the reason I make that comparison is at the very end of Hurt when it does that like crash out I'm always like ah I don't like that bit of the song I think you had it and I didn't think it needed it but I understand why it's there the vocal on this one I think his chorus vocal is one of his most interesting and strongest. And then he has this kind of weird like sidebar thing where he's like, you know, no one can stop us, get out of the way. Yeah. And I don't love that vocal, but the preceding vocal I adore. And also, the preceding vocal I think is like his most Phil Linnett vocal. There's a weird thin Lizziness to this song. And I'm not a thin Lizzy guy. Why do I love this song? I don't know. It just works on me. Yeah, there's another track, uh, Gratisfaction, which is very, very Lizzy. Um, around that time so and they've talked about being massive Lizzie fans um, yeah I really like this it has a kind of glacial but calming thing I think a lot of those synth sounds would become like his kind of phrases of the young solo stuff taps into this tone quite a lot and it's it's kind of melancholy but tranquil and uh, I'm it's, it's interesting how some of the later la- latter day strokes tracks might just crop up here very much so Let's have uh, one this, more. This is oh. from Angles, right? Yeah, which is a and weird s- album. So is the next one, I believe. Number eight. It is. Let's yes. have a listen. This is Machu Picchu, which is like tropical strokes, but it works. Yeah, it does work. It's got it works a stomp well. to it. It's kind of got good acceleration to it. It's a bit beefier than a lot of stuff they did um, prior to this. They actually talked around the time of um, First Impressions of Earth um, about how the first two records they always thought was a bit small sounding, and they made a real concerted effort thereafter to go big with the production and this is a kind of a proper rock jam I think and I love the lyrics on it why <laughs> <laughs> there's some great just like the thing about Julian Casablancas is, is he will he's not going to write some like Dylan-esque you know piece of genius but there's lines here and there every so often that just even if they don't really quite mean anything, they capture a feeling or they capture a great image. And yeah, there's a flash of genius always in yeah. in every couple of songs for sure. 
I like the bit where like he basically just decides to just sing the melody, and it almost seems like he was in the studio one day and was like, "Fuck it, I'll just sing the melody as well." And like, like that'll be part of the chorus, part of the kind of yeah. like, the breakdown. And it's that kind of just like playground thing he's got going on. They sound like they're having fun, which I don't think they were around this time. No, but it's they kind of this yeah. album was done like like all via email. Yeah, like it was just, all disparate. You'd never guess from like, the song. Not hanging out with each other, not really talking to each other. And like just firing over ideas and MP3s, which like I guess you know it's a strange album. It's obviously not their best album by a long shot. Yeah, but the hits that work really fucking do. And you're like, how did you even get that from this strange fractured situation that you had with the band at the time? Yeah, and you are you're a big fan as am I of Undercover Darkness, which is kind of a nice one-two punch with this. It's a great start to the record. It, that track is more old school strokes. Although he For does, sure, yeah. he, that's this is when he started doing that kind of slightly strange high pitched vocal. Very much so, yeah. Which and Undercover is Darkness kind of slightly out of his range. When that first came out, I I really it took me a long time to get with that song, but like I think it actually holds up really really yeah, well. Yeah, it's over a jam. Time. I believe we were repping it in the hot press office at we the time. Were, yeah, very much on so. the regular. Let's go back a bit further in time. This is from Room on Fire, and the end has no end. Now, Craig, Room on Fire in a recent, I guess, summary of the Julian Casablanca's interview, like, I don't know who it was, but someone, maybe it was Pitchfork, but like, someone kind of made the claim offhanded. They were like, you know, like, over time, I think Room on Fire might actually be their best album. How do you feel about that? Ooh, I disagree. I don't think the songs are quite as strong. I think it definitely got a rough time because people felt it was a bit more of the same, but it's a cracking album. It's like I do, I can't really find many faults with it as a standalone piece. It's a weird one because I can, I remember like seeing like the you know the five red stars in Q magazine at the time and like it was very much like obviously this will get the best reviews because the Strokes are just the hottest thing in the world right now, and yet it doesn't it didn't really develop conversation. It didn't really like lead to any kind of great like I remember like you know my brother in law when he got is this it being like oh my god man you have to hear this album it's amazing. And then Room of Fire comes out and he was like, oh yeah, there's a new Strokes album? It's, I, I don't know what it was. I, I feel like it's so dismissive of me to refer to Strokes as, as a flash in the pan band. I don't think that's what they are. But I think they never they never quite got that lightning bolt again. Yeah, I think I, I remember Fab Moretti talking about how he felt they should have led with Reptilia as a single as opposed to 1251, which mm-hmm. is a cracking song, but maybe a bit more low key. And they just felt the whole even approach to marketing it was a bit off. Um, it was just one of those, I think, poor timing things where people were going to go, oh, no, they're, they're just doing the same thing again. Um, but it, 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 there is nice updates to the sound there. It's a kind of subtle progression, but it's a great, great record. I know I don't even have to ask that if you were queuing up on day one to buy it. I assume that you were. Selena, what about yeah. you? What was your kind of strokes around this time? My strokes experience is purely listening to it on dance floors in the student bar and in Whelan's, hence why I barely listened to any of the lyrics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I kind of missed them. It was like 2005. So these two albums had already come out and I was like, oh, it's basically just one creation, which I think maybe that's why in retrospect, Room on Fire isn't getting loads of love because I think Is This It came out. People loved it. People went mad for it 
Room on Fire kind of gave them more of what they liked about the first one. And that's actually quite rare with a band where you could almost say it was the first album, part two. And I mean, I think people were generally happy about that. But in retrospect, it's kind of it all meshes together. Yeah, maybe it kind of pales just in the shadow of that kind of, you know, stunning debut that just came out of nowhere. Um, but if, if it had been the case that it took, you know, five years for Room on Fire to come out, you could go, okay, this is disappointing. But as you say, because it was such a quick yeah. follow-up, it's just like, yeah, they were just in a real kind of What, what else do you want, patch. lads? Fantastic. Like, here's like, loads yeah. of more, like, banging tunes for you I to dance to. I straight away, yeah. In many ways, the thrills of their day. Uh, <laughs> oh Selena mentions 2005 there. That, of course, is when their third album landed, First Impressions of Earth. I was working in Extravision at the time and I championed this album quite a bit. Here is the opening track, You Only Live Once. Which I fucking love, by the way. And it's got a great video, too, in which they drown themselves. <laughs> yeah, they do drown themselves, yeah. Weird how their videos, like, got progressively weirder. They did. As years went on. Like, at the start, it was like, we're not into the frills. We just want, you know, very yeah, straight up grainy perform- footage performance of us performing, yeah. videos. And then they lost around themselves a bit. They did a bit. Um, but this is a classic stroke song. <laughs> that guitar riff, that just, like, chiming little thing. Yeah, it's classic. It's yeah, so and good. it's kind of the same kind of style playing as the riff on like someday, and they do that kind of you know bottom of guitar thing really, really well. Um, yeah, I also love <laughs> I love the demo version. I'll try anything once, which is just a kind of really slowed down, um, kind of tender Julian vocal, and it has I think Nick on like electric kind of piano or organ, and it's just it's a. It's very similar in ways, but it's a total different mood. Flashing back to uh, like 3.30 a.m., 4 a.m., nights in your gaff and leak slip when you've definitely thrown that on. Oh, yeah, I'd say hey, so. Hey, listen to this. Listen to this, man. Pizza <laughs> in the oven. change your life. Strokes on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing that you're a bit of a stroke stan. I like them quite a lot. I like that. I like them quite a lot. Is this it arrived right when I like turned thirteen and I was just like, yeah, this is this is my band. Like I was already into music, but it was more bygone stuff. Yeah, this was the first. Oh, this is happening right now. But you never, you never loved this album though. Because I've had arguments with you about this album where, like, for a long time, and I will admit there was a bit of a contrarianness about me to be like, it's the best album, mate. No, I I do love uh, certain aspects of it. I think there's great songs on it. It is a bit bloated. It's it definitely is. bloated, yeah. And I think it's difficult to go back to. And I did find myself kind of like, you know, dropping the kind of act for a while. And I was like, ah, oh, like, you know, it's not as good as I wish it was. And But there's maybe there's some great moments on it. three tunes that are a bit like, oh, you could have dropped those. The rest are all really good, like... Yeah, I mean, like, Eyes of the World is a fucking amazing song. Yeah. And it has its moments, but, like, it, it definitely, obviously, you know, you, you guys both make the point of, like, Room on Fire giving you more of the same, but also, you know, kind of changing up a little bit. This album definitely had a lot of people be like, oh, no. like, Oh, no, you've gone too far. Yeah, this is not The Strokes. This Which isn't. is funny, because listening to all of The Strokes' work now, I feel like they're one of the most consistent bands that yeah. have ever existed. Like, really, they didn't do a whole lot of switching like you know 
thrown out the rule book to was, my ears. Yeah, there was never anything like crazy wild or avant-garde or yeah, it was all just like listenable guitar rock. Like at any point, shades of that, put yeah. any of their songs on, and everyone in the room would be able to identify the band, yeah, no matter how yeah, obscure yeah, the song. Yeah. Which you can't say about loads of bands. Yeah, that's very no. true. Yeah, definitely a distinct identity. But we'll go back to that first album for our fifth song on the list: "Trying Your Luck." five you mentioned melancholy i love the melancholy of this and it's that attractive melancholy where you're like this is actually yeah you want to dive into it's it unbelievable. Like, it's yeah it's a great melody <laughs> so every jamming. song on this album i mean i i think we purposely maybe or even subconsciously were just probably steering clear of naming every track on the f- first couple of records because <laughs> you want to you know you want to spread it around a bit but um yeah this is brilliant and i kind of find it hard to single out all of those tracks because i usually once i start listening to is this it i just listen the whole way through yeah, I had that experience there when like it turned fifteen a while ago, and I went back to it, and I was like, "Oh, actually, hang on! Like, this is genuinely worth the hype. This is genuinely worth all the thing pieces that are coming out now." I've yet to read uh, "Meet Me in the Bathroom." Has anybody read that yet? No, no, I still haven't got around. I to thought it, you which ordered. Is shocking. And uh, no, I had to cancel the thing. It was a whole thing. Speaking of things that you've ordered, has your Frank Ocean vinyl? No sign of it. No sign. <laughs> no of it. email updates. Nothing. Before Hurry up, Christmas, Frank. I know. Yeah, yeah. Craig's not happy. Like you don't, you don't want to know what he's going to do to us. It's not like he's like notoriously unreliable or anything. <laughs> yeah. But uh, now I love this song. And again, to go back to my brother-in-law Ben, a shout out. I know you don't listen to the podcast, but there's your shout out. And he was just like so taken by the simplicity of it, the minimalism of it. Even like you know, like Fab uh, Moretti's like like one flourish, his one kind of Tom drum fill, which yeah. arrives in the middle of it. But it's so commanding. And Julian is backed up at every point by a rhythm section and a guitar line that just hovers over him and then he almost like grabs it by the throat and just stands over and is like, nah man, I'm in a shit mood. Here's my song. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, Reminds me a bit of the Arctic Monkeys as well. The way they would do that thing where they would have an album full of you know, floor fillers and then there'd be one devastating song like 505 and you'd be like, oh man, I wasn't ready. Sure, yeah, I wasn't right. mentally prepared oh, for a this. A certain romance the first album which is like, I, I sure. think is their best song. Like, I think it's like that incredible, like, where did you guys get this from? Yeah, it's, uh, as you say, it's a knockout. But up next at number four, uh, I believe this is your number one, Selena. I love this one. Do you want to introduce it? Oh, yes, it's Juice, juice Box. <laughs> So why? Why is this the best stroke song for you? For me, it's because I think it's the best representation of my favourite thing about the strokes, which is that I think they're very good at marrying like hard and soft. And I think that does this really well. And it swerves from really like chargy, energetic, stompy thing to something quite melodic and sweet and back again. Yeah. That's why it's my fave. And it's like, it's a song of just very different parts that are all just catchy as hell it builds really well um i think this is when they started sounding a bit like 
oh, they were kind of wearing their goofier influences on their sleeves. Like they became became slightly less like cool and breezy strokes at this point. But I love it just all the more because it has that kind of bass line that is very, very 80s. It's actually, what is it like? It's it's what am I thinking of? It's some like it's very close to talking heads or no no it'll come to me but um yeah no it's a great song it's a song that's like out of control from the very very start of it and yet of course you know has that studio sheen and it's just it's so breakneck it's yeah. so fast it's is it Peter going do 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 maybe it's, yeah I feel possibly. like it's but it, but yeah but it's it's weird it's, it's like a song in search of like a party like it's it's that weird thing where like he can imagine Julian Casablanca just bounding into fucking living rooms and or like pubs and just like screaming yeah it was so exciting when it came out it was their biggest hit ever in the states I think is that right wow. no, number ninety eight on the Billboard <laughs> one hundred oh, they never God. quite got too huge in their home country but yeah that's so strange that like they were such a zeitgeist band and then you know didn't have the numbers yeah it's an odd one all right more of a cult thing all right well you said earlier on that this should have been potentially the lead single off album number two it's reptilia he seemed impressed by the way And again, to go back to Selena's point about like you know a distinct identity and hearing it once and being like, yeah, I know who that is, and I know that it's so confident and it's its own thing, and like I think it's the kind of song you can't really replicate. It's just fucking. It's it's such a great standalone. It's all energy. It's just surging. It's um it reminds me guitar wise a little bit of Richie Blackmore's kind of stuff. That just like dead ahead thing. But one of the things I love most about the Strokes is how the two guitarists have such different styles. It's mm. not your rhythm guitarist and your lead guitarist. It's both of them just kind of diving off each other at the same time. And it's just like some really complex, just intertwining things that are happening here. And like the video for it is great because you're just seeing close-ups of them going through all their parts. And it just feels like, oh, they're constructing something bigger than themselves. This is amazing. <laughs> I like the strokes. <laughs> you do like the strokes. I mean, like, is a is a fun to go back to these songs and like like kind of live outside yourself and not catch yourself in those moments because I feel like this band for you, I think, are, are very much like, as you said, you know, like you know, you can recall being yeah. where you were. But like, is it possible for Reptilia to hold up like in 2018 as its own thing? Yes. Really? Yeah. It's not just tied to an era. I know. I don't think so. I don't think it's a nostalgia thing. Like, but Reptilia in particular wouldn't exactly remind me of like Fawn's times or anything like that. Oh, I don't oh, have okay. a link. To, do you know what I mean? I don't have a link <laughs> specifically to here was the period I was listening to. That that'd be more of the first album. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it totally stands up. Uh, it even stands up to kind of covers from like bluegrass banjo bands and stuff as well. I can't, say, right. I can't say I've, uh, I've ever experienced those. Is there one in particular that I should be aware of? Um, there's a few which I can direct you to, um, but not right now. <laughs> I can't think of a name <laughs> off the top of my head, but yeah. All right, at number two.
it's last night because of course it is yeah this is my favorite one yeah that's my contribution (laughs) this is what an absolute banger (laughs) the first stroke song i heard and i listened to it about 20 times in a row the first night and um yeah i mean it's it's kicking off with it it's yeah it's kicking off with a bit of tom petty american girl um but it's got a kind of great swing to it the solo's brilliant like Julian's voice I think that is like his peak where he's just doing that ragged thing he doesn't quite do anymore and yeah it's it's fantastic is it the best you know written stroke song is it their best work I don't know if it is but it's kind of like that first hit um, and that's why it's there for me it's my number one well, you mentioned like the video to Reptilia but like, the video to this was like you know again it was like I was in school and it was like fucking Q the channel on Sky mm-hmm. And I saw it at like four o'clock in the day or whatever it was. And again, I don't know. Obviously, the video is so well done. It's so well choreographed and presented and everything. But like, it's so strange to see a band so fully formed. And again, I think you're right. I think the Arctic Monkeys thing, even like, I bet you look good in the dance floor, that video as yeah. well. It has the same thing, you know, the live performance on a set. And yet there's something bigger going on here. There's like a certain sheen. There's a whoever like like dressed them or dressed the yep. set or whatever it is. I think they dressed themselves. I, don't know. <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> so but it all it all just like matched everything. Matched everything else. You know, like the fact that Julian is like shoving the mic stand over. Yeah. You know that was what people wanted at the time. There wasn't like in two thousand and one, two thousand two. There wasn't that kind of angst on. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? You're talking about like a shanty in Jerule. Like, there wasn't that kind of like, <laughs> I'm annoyed and I'm also sexy kind yeah. of vibe yeah, going on with any bands that I can think of. I think my you wanted bit, to hang out with them. My like. favorite bit is when he, is when he when he shoves into uh, Albert Hammond Jr. Yeah. who like pushes himself back yeah. into because he's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not breaking this guitar line, mate. Yeah. Like, Poor <laughs> Albert, just like he was never let do his thing. He was always being shoved or yeah. But also into. like uh, the drums. I mean, like uh, Fabrizio Moretti, he like. His drumming on that first album is so basic to the point where you're like, man, are you just learning the drums? But it's fine. I mean, like, you can actually yeah. like, hear over the course of the album, especially by the time you get something like Juicebox, he's like, oh yeah, now he can do this. And it's interesting because, I mean, I guess it's, like, it's that White Stripes thing of like, they didn't need to do any more than they were doing. But I I just get the feeling that like, he was like learning the drums in those recording sessions. Because this is the most basic yeah. beat in the world. But it totally yeah. works. It, but, yeah, it has that kind of primal, like elemental rock and roll thing that you go back to all the standards of like wild thing and whatever it's just like bare bones super simple and it's all about the energy and the delivery i guess yep you gotta be good to get away with it and it's not even our number one though no i'm sure you can guess what it is here it is Last night I was talking to a friend of mine and I was saying, and she said, (laughs) nicely done. And I said, I was like, hard to explain is an all timer, right? (laughs) Like it really is. It's fucking flawless. It's, it's got such energy. It's got such drive. It's got such verbs. It's got such life. It's like a new order song 
on coke. But no, it's it's fucking <laughs> new order on coke. I'm doing my vice thing. I'm doing my vice thing. It like it's I just feel like new order is new order on coke, but yeah, anyway. Pro- probably true. But like I feel like this is like, you know, the kind of like the son of true faith or something. There's just something in the song where like it has such an alchemy and such an amazing sense of like time and place and world building while also being a straight up incredible rock song. But again, it's got that signature Julian Casablanca's melancholy as well. It does. Yeah. I like, you know, I can keep talking about last night but hard to explain could be their like objectively best written thing it's like i think it might be the best thing he's ever come up with as a finished product you know it's just it's masterful the course is sensational i love that kind of chugging just it's like the band or like this train just running ahead not like the band train but a train <laughs> um, <laughs> that'll be next month's listening yeah yeah. yeah and it's yeah it's that kind of it's that sadness about like existence but it's also really I don't know it makes you want to live it's it's, g- it's good going that these songs still feel kind of exciting you still yeah. get a little thrill listening to them all this time later and I know I mentioned you know the time earlier but at this point I have to bring up my favourite Strokes fact oh, yeah. which is that my hairdresser was the first person to interview the Strokes on television oh wow, wow. boom shout out to Darren where was this done for? Like, what was he worked at the time in Trouble Television? Right, Remember, yeah, yeah. Trouble, he used to run wow. like Sister Sister First and Air, stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, with Alexis Pedrisis. Pedrisis, yeah, yeah, Craig's uh, who, boy, who yeah. now well, writes for the Guardian. Yes, and yeah, he actually described to me like getting. I think it was the modern AGP in, and just everyone like back in the days where like people were paid to review music, um, <laughs> and everyone in the office getting the EP in and. And, or, like someone throwing it on and them all being so excited and like instantly loving it instantly playing it on a loop for like three hours you know um, and I think not that it was the strokes were so different from anything that came before of course they weren't but they came completely at the right time yeah yeah um, I like I think that EP it was like the opening 20 seconds of The Modern Age was played and the record label just like sign those boys up yeah, like, yeah. they literally <laughs> didn't even get to the chorus of the first song and they're like yep that's the sound we've been looking for wow <laughs> it was it was party music but it was party music that you were allowed to like and that it was cool to like and that a thinking man could conceivably like yeah. and it was socially acceptable yeah um, and hard to explain I think you know, it's a great summation of all that and it's just like it has all the promise and all the potential and all the poise and all the poignancy of the strokes and I love it very and well I, done and I'm very very glad uh, yeah thanks man I've had three beers uh, <laughs> I'm very very glad that it's our number one and that does it for our listening guide and uh, there'll be another one quite soon but up next it's our songs of the week and we're going to do six songs this week because I assumed it would be a smaller episode but I feel like I've rambled so who knows if it isn't nonetheless Selena Murphy as our guest can I have a number between one and five please four all right. Four, Dave. Okay, it's Snail Mail making her no encore debut. The song is called Pristine. So last week on the show, we talked very briefly about the Soccer Mommy album. 
and I was saying I think it's quite good and Craig was like it's not bad and ultimately you know through further uh, listening and conversations I'm like yeah I mean like it's definitely really good but it's definitely lacking in a certain amount of depth here and there and maybe guilty of repetitiveness I kind of got from this song the best aspects of the album I love this song I think it's it's got that same kind of weird like very American very kind of like you know small town bar and like possibly playing in front of 25 people who aren't really listening or caring but there might be one person there who who is and who does and it just has all these layers and all these kind of human little details and her voice is fantastic and this song really really worked for me yeah she was born in 1999 which is really scary it's terrifying um it's a great guitar rock song about like jaded youth and just being bored at like various house parties and for that reason i think they should bring back the oc on netflix so <laughs> this can be in the soundtrack um yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree um, with what you're saying in comparison with Soccer Mommy. It has kind of that 90s, like, slacker generation Gen X thing going on to it. Um, it's, like, got a bit of irony to it and a bit of spike, as opposed to people just being, you know, very emotional and very sincere. Um, there's a lot of kind of character here, and uh, the hooks are great. I'm convinced this is going to be on some Judd Apatow project <laughs> Yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> in the near future. Yeah, I really liked it as well. I just really fell for her immediately. Like she has a real knack for expressing emotion and making it feel genuine. And I wanted to know more about her and know like, what, what part are you talking about? Like, who's this guy? You know, yeah. she really drew me in and she did stir up those feelings of, I hasten to say teenage angst, maybe teenage frustration. Um, in me with this song and yeah I thought it was really well done it feels genuine like I mean I, I think like that's something where it's I saw it on Pitchfork and they were like you know best new track and every now and then I, I check those out and I often find myself being like really this but I gave it a go and I was like yeah hang on this is immediate like I mean like it's totally immediate and in this kind of you know something I was talking about that panel today where it's like again we say it all the time and I, I, I'm wary of becoming a broken record but like you only have so much time in your week and like, you got to really prioritise and ultimately sometimes you find yourself playing catch up and a song really needs to hit you fast and this did I think this hit me in a way that that, uh, that Hatchy song hit Cullum around Christmas time yeah. and I love that song too but it's obviously a much more shoegazy pop song but yeah I mean again I mean like to have that level of command you know I didn't realise actually she was as as young as she is 18 yeah and now I feel particularly old but like (laughs) fuck me really 18 and she's like like this is this feels so bodes really well it feels feels so very like competent and well formed and there's no dodgy bits yeah. at all yeah and it ends like really abruptly on the drums as like all you know proper songs should not just this kind of like fade Petering out cop out, out. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like a proper and that's the end of that song and what a song you might say it's pristine can I have a number please Craig uh, can I have number one please Dave? you can man it's the return of Irish rock collective fan club the song is called All Fall Down A couple of weeks ago, after the Choice Prize, I went to a Universal Music Ireland uh, kind of sizzle reel situation oh. where I was handed a beer on my hangover <laughs> and I was treated 
uh, to a cinematic experience of all their upcoming music and stuff. And they played uh, the first kind of two minutes of this, I guess. And in in the first like 10 seconds, I turned to the person next to me and I went, this already sounds better than anything on their debut album. I agree. And it's interesting because that debut album like was pretty much recorded when they were picked up by Universal. So they didn't actually put any kind of extra production oomph on it, apart from maybe one or two tracks. At least that's what I've been told. If I'm wrong, let me know. Uh, Noencore at headstuff.org or at Noencore Show on Twitter. Sure. So, um, I mean, Teenage Dave would adore this because it's a combination of like bands like uh, Vex Red and then, you know, Muse before they were horrendous. I mean, it's this band, I wonder if they're always going to suffer from a, a depth problem. But at the same time, this is so commanding and fun and really well produced. Sounds amazing. Yeah. It's huge. Maybe it doesn't need to do any more than it's doing. Uh, yeah, I like the kind of dynamic range on it. It has that kind of terrific low end. And I think... Uh, it has some gorgeous kind of little guitar maneuvers that it just slides so expertly in and out of and i like i agree this is probably the you know most sophisticated thing they've put out it's certainly the thing that gripped me the most and they were already showing kind of big promise as i constantly say about artists on this show but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah lots of promise here Check them out later. um <laughs> but yeah I, I i feel like they're they might be a bit like ghettoized in terms of that sound and in terms of the reference points and whether they can actually command a big audience with this kind of aesthetic um is probably open to interpretation but um, there'll certainly be a live draw for years to come if they keep like banging out songs like this. This didn't grab me at all. Oh, really? I'm afraid. Sauce <laughs> <laughs> lads. Um, no, it's very clearly like a very effective song and a well constructed song. They're very nifty on their guitars. I had an issue with the vocals. I found them to be like too far away from me to the point where I felt like I was in the car with my mam and she hadn't turned up the volume <laughs> on the car radio enough and I did test it with like different headphones to be like is this just like my phone is my phone terrible um that bugged me okay. I felt like I couldn't latch on to what was going on with the vocals um not, not really my bag but like they've they've made a good song yeah, for I mean, sure. like, I think, you know, vocally is another issue that they may need to look at. And I think, you know, they kind of moved slightly away from the more grungy elements of their debut album and more into almost, you know, kind of stadium-friendly Biffy Clyro territory here and there. Mm. And I think, you know, I don't know what's coming, if there's a new EP or if they're going to put out another album pretty quickly. That could very well be the case. If they do put out either, I think if this is the opening track, I think it's a good way of grabbing you, even if it didn't quite grab you by the jugular. So, it you know. was never going to grab me. It's not my It's not my niche. Like mm. It's not wedding playlist friendly. No. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe the vocals do need a bit more oomph or just kind of like... You're backtracking now. <laughs> <laughs> now that, like, it, yeah, He's I, listening. I, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I said that about think, the debut, didn't I? I think I, that's it what it was like, for me that I found. I just wanted to hear it be, the vocals be more confident. It, it doesn't match the power of what's more, going yeah, on around us. It's yeah. probably just an imbalance rather than the vocals. It's funny because I was going to make the point during, during the Strokes Listening Guy that like, you know, some of the songs, some of their better songs is like, it's almost like Julian Casablanca's, you mentioned that kind of almost angsty thing of like, you know, pushing into people and mm. whatever. It's almost like Julian Casablanca's is like walking down a street and you're trying to catch up with them. Like you're like, whether you're like his mate or something and yeah. he's like, fuck off, man. And I think in this situation, the fan club vocalist is almost like trying a little bit too hard to be like that kind of aloof guy, that kind of like mysterious, I'm under the covers here while I'm being dwarfed in this instance by massive production. Yeah. Which, yeah. Maybe. The disparity may be there. But, you know, to be fair, I will say I found this uh, a very enjoyable repeat song, even if, again, there's not really much going on behind the eyes. Up next, Cena, can I have a number, please? Two? 
two you can have, yep, it's Sigrid, who is the next big thing, apparently. This song is called Raw. The BBC Sound of 2018. Yeah, or how's that been panning out the last kind of couple of years in terms sound of Sound of? Yeah, I haven't paid attention. Have you done a, like a thing here? No, not really. But I, that's why I'm thinking because it doesn't seem to have the kind of cachet it once did. It ever did. have cachet? Mm, I don't know. Like, you at least hear about it to a large extent, and then did you though? Like, feel like people were let down. It like, feels like a very music week industry focused thing. Yeah, it? I Poss- think it's good for the artists because they automatically get to go on like all the morning shows in Britain and stuff like that. Mm. They yeah, they, they, they get yeah. a lot of bookings out of it. Well, she was on Graham Norton recently and she did her song I've Strangers seen tons of shows did yeah. you see that performance yeah it's fantastic yeah she's cool she's cool Strangers is great it reminded me a bit of Maggie Rogers like she's got a lot of cool ideas in mm. one artist I'll be going to see her hours after this podcast drops in a sold out show in the Academy can't imagine she's going to be in the Academy size venues for very longer no. she seems to be like a huge deal I think she's on the picnic bill I could have got that wrong yes but, I believe so uh, I like her I think she's got something and it's that kind of weird Cullum's very upset this week that we've kind of gone Scandinavian with him away but uh, nonetheless it had to happen I like the song quite a lot and again you talk about personality I think she has one I think it shines through in her in her vocals and in her lyrics and in her delivery yeah, I mean, with the opening, I was thinking, okay, where is this going? Is it going to end up being a bit irksome or the right side of quirky? And then that kind of bassy stomp comes in and those like piano stabs and just um, the whole kind of treatment of that melody is really well done and it takes it somewhere else and it kind of gets it away from that thing. And the vocals are, yeah, great. That kind of scrunched up. Uh, contorted thing uh, I've heard a lot of her kind of covers she's done some Leonard Cohen stuff and they're quite different and a bit more kind of pacified but this was just full of energy yeah. I like her but I didn't like this song particularly it felt a little bit dull to me and she's to me she's not a dull artist at all she's mm. got really cool ideas I like her little vocal gymnastics that she does they're always interesting Um, yeah I think Maybe for me, this just isn't as comfortable a place for her as Strangers, where there's a lot of production. It's very up and fun and there's a lot going on and she's getting to be playful. I thought this was a little bit, she, like some of her personality was lost. Well, it's called Raw. One. I mean, like, is it guilty of playing too much to like trying to be that? Like, is it trying to be like, this is now my vulnerable oh, it song? It probably completely set out or achieved what she set out to do with it. And it wouldn't put me off listening to more of her at all it's just definitely one that I would be skipping yeah. if I was listening to her I do feel like that subject matter can often stray into like oh this is like impairing anthemic kind of thing which is a bit cliched but I think she manages to avoid it with this so yeah I liked it yeah I liked it I mean like it. I, I will agree that I think Strangers was definitely the more kind of immediate pop banger but like I liked it I mean I think it did show sides of her personality but again it's that kind of weird nascent period I suppose for her and it's like who's the real Sigrid is mm-hmm. it going to be more of this or is it going to be more of Strangers or is it going to be you know an, an amalgamation of both and will that be a mess and I will listen to all of it oh yeah 
Yeah, I'm on board. I'm open to things. I like Bjork. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Science and I'm neurotic. Science so. has a... And I'm, not, and I'm disagreeable. Yeah. So. Uh, three, five, or six, Craig? Uh, five, please, All Dave. All right. Yeah. It's a cover. It's Q-Tip and Demi Lovato with Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Elton John and Kiki D classic have they managed to do it justice what's happening <laughs> like what is this I know right I love Elton yeah love Kiki love Demi love Q-Tip like couldn't <laughs> comprehend this at all like I kept waiting for Q- like Q-Tip to do a verse and it didn't yeah. happen and his He's kind of talk singing, right? He's it's, I couldn't say odd. he was singing. His, yeah, his decision making was odd on this, and I'd say. As a singer, he doesn't sound good. Mm. Demi Lovato actually I think her voice suits this song very very well, very powerful. She sounds skyped in though, doesn't she? Like it's weird. She like probably it was. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I really like her, so I her, like I liked her vocal on this and I didn't get that feeling at all. Um, didn't mind the production, like the kind of s- trying to turn it into a slow jam. Yeah, I was on I liked board with Q-tip's that production. I, like it was an interesting way to take it, and it kind of stops it just being like, "Oh, here's this song you've heard a million times before." Yeah. But I think yeah, his they, vocal ruined it. Yeah, probably did. Uh, this this is an entire album of kind of Elton John and Bernie Taupin songs it's reimagined, called, like, re- revamped or yeah. something. Revamped. Meanwhile, yeah. this isn't even a song written by them. <laughs> I think this was a cover initially, anyway. So it's a bit of a strange one, but yeah, I uh, can't wait for. The Coldplay stuff and the Florence stuff and the, I'm not going to get this album. Oh, is, is Florence <laughs> yeah. in there? Yeah, I think Mumford and Sons doing Elton John. Do you want to? I heard I heard Florence and the Machine's new single there at that same Universal thing, and you know I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I'll just say <laughs> you've heard it before. Oh god, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's disappointing. It really is. I mean, I don't know what it is about Florence. She's clearly amazing, but like, there's just a certain baseline level. As for this, though, yeah, I mean, I kept waiting to be charmed. And then it just didn't happen. I feel like you're always waiting to be charmed. Well, to be fair, <laughs> constantly let down. You are disagreeable. That is a uh, that that is my my life burden. Yes, Craig. I, I I keep waiting for that spark. And I yet. don't feel like I criticize covers as heavily because I'm always like, eh, it's, you know, yeah, it's they, a curio. The, these yeah, two exactly. people just got together and maybe had a couple of drinks and went, you know, what we should do is do this cover, yeah, whatever. That's fair. Uh, but even still, yeah. I'm disappointed and I will not be listening to this again. <laughs> okay, you got two numbers left, three and six. Let's go for six. All right. Okay. So I saw the name before I heard the song and I thought, why not? Especially with, you know, Selena's pop music background. It's X Factor Sensation, Matt Cardle. I like the kind of really high note he ends on. 
it's like the kind of do you? yeah it's like the, that's my favorite part the song was called desire and uh i mean i was just stunned that he was still a thing i'm amazed What's going on? It's 2018. It's been like six or eight years since he's... Is he on a major label? He's, he was, yeah. and I'm pretty I think sure... He's, he's back with I, Sony now. Is he? I'm, yeah. I'm assuming he is with this because it's, it sounds very glossy. I yeah. did find it in my Spotify, you know, New Music Friday, so I was like, what the hell? But also, he like his whole thing was, you know, uh, I'm not going to play by your rules, Simon Cowell. And Simon Cowell was like, see you then. And then that was it. And yeah. now he's back somehow. I think he talked about how he wanted to go away and just recharge. And he was working on stuff for a long time that was very electronic sounding. Uh, I don't know if he meant this. I mean, he has like, you know, that kind of technically good passable voice thing going on. But I hate this <laughs> don't song. Don't we all? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hate this song. Yeah. Okay. Tell me why. Um, It just does absolutely nothing for me. Maybe hate is too strong a word. But it's a bit much, though, isn't it? Like, it's a bit like, much. It's, it's, like it's irritating. Yeah, it, it is irritating. Yeah. yeah, it's very much like that kind of like that. That chorus delivery feels like like a hurt song, except like a bad remix of a bad hurt song. And it's that kind of like you know, it's like look how emotional I am. Yeah, you can kind of hear the cogs turning in. Oh, this is what we're going for. It seems you can see the songwriting calculated. session. Though, yes, like, with, yeah, like, you know, like the guy from Gomez and Brezzy or whoever the fuck you know is currently. <laughs> lining the halls of whatever record label i mean like yeah it's just i mean it's it's really really strange i just found it more yeah i i the more i listened to it i was like oh my god man really like shut up <laughs> wow that's a pretty strong response there uh, i didn't i didn't hate <laughs> we, this we are known for at all <laughs> not agreeable so um i didn't love it uh but i thought it was somewhat interesting because you see X Factor winner on their fourth album and you think this is going to be the most formulaic that music can possibly be but in fairness to him he did he I don't know if it's him or his label or the people he's working with but he is trying something a little bit different with the like extreme falsetto and the 90s like whooshy production sure so I have to give him props for trying something slightly different Um, I think there needs to be a music video where he's walking in the rain for sure. Well, I'm sure it's already beach. been filmed. Yeah. Beach, I would say. <laughs> it's premiering as I speak. Um, yeah, no, I mean, fair play to him for, for trying something different is what I think. I, I'm not loving the song, but uh, I wouldn't be adverse to hearing more. All right. Well, there okay. you go. It, like, if, if I've done nothing else, I've given him a, a career boost by, uh, you know, putting him on someone's radar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very much so, yeah. Finally this week, they've just announced their first gigs since the end of 2013. They're doing an Irish tour. They are, of course, the lads, Snow Patrol. Don't fall in love with the, with the way things were. It'll fuck up your mind. It'll fuck up your mind. But this is all on the wings of others. I loved you more, more in your own flight. So it ain't the same It won't be lost forever It won't be lost forever Don't give me Don't you dare quit so easy The song is called Don't Give In and um, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Well, I just couldn't really get around um, Gary Lightbody's vocal which is just, it's like he has this very gritty thing going on it's almost Springsteen-y I didn't hate this at all oh, I didn't I dislike it, was, it I just thought yeah. it was a little bit of a hodgepodge I like that kind of acoustic guitar kind of thing just propelling it along 
Um, and it never, as I've kind of said about previous songs here, it never quite hit those cliched uh, anthemic things it was going for. It had a bit of restraint, which I enjoyed. Um, he's talked about going through a really rough time in the last few years and stuff. And this album that's coming up is very much about that. There's no kind of love songs or any of that thing. It's really about his kind of struggles with depression. And it felt more sincere than Snow Patrol had been in a lot of years, to, to my ears. What about that gig that we went to? <laughs> yeah, we had a fun time at that gig. Yeah, we did. Yeah, um, it was this, the backing screens were very Windows ninety five screensaver. Yeah, yeah. Um, we yeah, we just had fun. Yeah, we got drunk and took the piss out of it. Sina, what do you think of the song? Um, not loving it. Um, yeah, I, in my notes I wrote down this is a Snow Patrol song that's about as nice as all of the other Snow Patrol songs, <laughs> which I think sums it up pretty well. Um. I found it to be pleasant. The melody's pleasant. There's the same kind of sense of momentum that they have in all their songs. Um, that's about it. It kind of, other than that, it felt a bit wallpaperish to me. And I have to admit, I was multitasking this morning. And I was listening to this while I was working out, which I do not recommend. <laughs> because this came on while I was doing jumping lunges and there is nothing as me viscerally. Too. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing as awful as doing jumping lunges while listening to this. So I don't <laughs> recommend that even to Snow Patrol fans. But I think Snow Patrol fans will like this. Yeah. What, uh, what would you recommend doing jumping lunges to, though? Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. Oh, are you still on that? I'm still on it, oh like my God. a thousand years later. <laughs> wow. To be fair, I mean, like, fair, but you've committed. Uh, n- not one not one spin for any other song on that album, but still like a bit of Shape of You. Okay. A bit All of right. Demi Lovato, maybe, as well. Okay. All right. Good, good stuff. Cool yeah. for the summer, maybe. Yeah. That's a good song. Yeah. yeah. I like that one. I think it's been like seven years since Snow Patrol kind of released something, right? It's, it's correct. Yeah, yeah. The album Wildness is due out next month or May, I think. Yeah. Are, are people going to be interested? They yeah, have a big yeah. fan base, right? They'll yeah, be they fine. Know, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I will say this from like from, from working for Joe, uh, which I do. I mean, like, Snow Patrol stories go down very fucking well. Okay. The general Irish public are very much chomping at the bit to get back into their Snow Patrol situation. So. Well, good for them. Well, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, like, you know, the album does sound intriguing, but like, I just wasn't really blown away by it. But then again, at the same time, maybe I should respect that a bit more. Like, it's not really an obvious single for a single. Yeah. For- I think they're doing some more interesting stuff on this than they had in, on a lot of previous efforts where they just very much kind of... Uh, they had the kind of success of Final Straw, which I, I liked a lot of stuff on. And from there, it just seemed to be, oh, we're playing bigger venues. We're going to write songs for those bigger venues. It became very kind of homogenized and vanilla to me. And just, yeah. Okay, real to, quick then, around the horn. If you have one, what's your favorite Snow Patrol song? <sighs> Run, maybe. See it. I wish I could remember which one it was. But me and my boyfriend once got a couple's massage. <laughs> and... It's by Gary Lifebody. Oh, I wish. And we got out of the salon or the whatever, the spa of the hotel. And the first thing we said to each other was, I think I like Snow Patrol now. <laughs> and it was, I, I, I still to this day don't know whether it was because I was in such, maybe getting a massage is the perfect time and place to be listening to Snow Patrol because I was loving it. Yeah, okay. I was like, not moving because getting a massage, but like clicking along and like stomping my feet in my head to this. And then, yeah, uh, I have not listened to them since, so I'm useless at this. Okay, question, I'm sure you've you a favorite. Yeah, I'll go with uh, "Somewhere <laughs> a Clock Is Ticking." Oh, okay, it's a great song, and I also really enjoy the first part of the three-part song known as "The Lightning Strike." And I can't remember what I think it's. What if the storm ends? Yeah, 
they're brilliant songs like and runs great as well it is fantastic yeah. i never really knew their kind of early stuff which i think everyone was just like they were a very different band then and i don't know maybe i should have been more intrigued to kind of delve back in but yeah okay well what about other things that you might have listened to this week I'm still on Young Fathers. I think it's a remarkable thing. Um, still listen to that lot. I'm on a real OREM buzz at the moment. Is that because of that new podcast? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> yes, very much so. And also the fact that they're the greatest American band of all time. Wow, that's a statement. Yeah, it's a statement. It might be a fully true one, but I'm going to stick with it right now. All right, see you then. Um, I've been listening to a guy called Quay. I don't know if you've heard of him. I, he doesn't seem to have gotten much like uh, traction anywhere. Um he is the brother of um, Shingai Shaniwa from the Noisettes. Oh, There's a fun fact. Jesus. Um, he is a young Zimbabwean British dude and he makes very, very fabulous, slightly funky, soulful pop. And if there's one song you need to listen to, it's a song called The Sweetest Life. And if you put it on and you watch the video, you will either immediately be living for this man. He's like voguing. He's doing dance moves. He's incredible. Or else you'll be like, this definitely isn't for me. Um, right. I've been loving him. Craig and I will report back next week. Yes. I have Please been with listening dance moves. To, <laughs> Always with dance moves. Yeah. I've been listening to the, the new De Laurentiis album, uh, True Surrender, which comes out at the end of April. And uh, we'll be, signs are good. Signs are very fucking yeah. good. Yeah, we'll we'll be talking about that more in depth at some point. But yeah, it's very very good. So uh, that's the end of the show. Cena Murphy, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. I'll be back Always again. Welcome. Hopefully, yeah. if All I haven't disgraced myself. Always welcome. Although we must have Cullum involved at some point. So no, we may never. Yeah, that, it's a whole thing. Cullum's <laughs> being upset. He's, it's he's a thing really now. Really it has to be a he thing. He thinks it's personal. And, you he know, will never get those wedding tips. As established, he doesn't show emotion very often. So I feel like we need no, to kind of respect him. Close shop. But. Uh, that's the show for this week we'll be back next week and we'll have another guest in because Craig's away next week I'm off to Krakow yeah why again um, because I had holiday <laughs> vouchers that were is it growing. a stag no it's not wow. no it's not I had holi- <laughs> holiday vouchers that were like I didn't realise they were expiring so quickly and there was basically nowhere else that was open to book kind of thing but I'll get to see Auschwitz so Jesus. That's, that's booked and the salt mines are supposed to be good wow I don't know <laughs> Krakow's lovely I've been you look okay, great cool. great I okay. hear good things, so <laughs> okay, I'll well, report back do in your two best. weeks. Yeah, yeah, give us a roving report. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Exit Music this week comes from Sorka Richardson. She's back with a really good song called Can't We Pretend. If you haven't heard her before, she's got one of the best vocals in the country, I would say. And I feel like she's going to step it up a notch this year. We'll see. But this song is fucking great. Cena and Craig, thank you very, very much. Thank, thank you. you. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And this is Sorka Richardson with Can't We Pretend. See you next week. Coming home And now I'm lying In my old bedroom Again on my own Listen to The cars passing Outside Remember Adam Crashed his car into the tree But somehow he survived And the next Night you walked me home We'd been Drinking underage And you said do
just live this distance for some time I still think about that September night Sitting on an empty pew Nobody will find us here We were dreaming about where we both would go You pointed out across the ocean Christmas, I've been gone for six years more. You know, I'm meant to call you back. Get so busy in this city, you expect me to keep track. It's raining in New York, too. That doesn't mean I'm any closer to you. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law and Order SVU streaming now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.